All right, uh, welcome everyone. This is the uh, Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I know uh, you're not used to hearing me talk first, but um, it's Thursday. This is a rough day. We got some really bad news, and I guess I'm kind of in a better or not as bad state as the rest of the gang here. So I'm I'm leading us off here. Uh, You've probably heard by now, but if you have not heard, um, Wyndham Rotunda, known to us wrestling fans as Bray Wyatt, passed away. Uh, the news just came out within the last hour. Triple H sent out a tweet that he had just heard from the family. And so there have been a you know bunch of stories and pictures and stuff pouring in over Twitter since then. Um this is hitting us pretty hard here because, you know, of course, we're all big wrestling fans here. And Bray Wyatt has was a big part of the last 10 years uh, in, uh, you know, in professional wrestling. If you've been a fan in any part over the last 10 years of WWE, then you've seen some of his work. And... Bray Wyatt or Wyndham Rotunda is for older guys like me and DJ. There's a long lineage. Um, his father was Mike Rotunda, who you know I believe he's in the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, a lot of you guys know him as IRS. We knew him as Mike Captain Mike Rotunda or um, as Bray's father. Uh, and going then, even further back, I remember him being a tag team partner with. Barry Windham, yes, and in the whereas, WWE back in the uh, the mid '80s. Yeah, and um, and of course, you know Bray's real life name is Windham Rotunda, and and you know clearly he's you know. Um, Windham ended up being like his uncle, right? Um, Barry Windham. Yeah, some kind of way. Um, and. So there's, I mean, there's a whole, um, of course, there's a whole connection. Um, and as a character, Bray Wyatt took a lot of his inspiration from Kevin Sullivan, who was once the manager of Bray's father. Um, so there's a long history, there's long lineage, you know, in the business for, you know, of Bray Wyatt, the character, and Wyndham Rotunda, the man. And, um... This is, a, you know, uh, this is this is a tough road for us here, and it wasn't, but what uh, was it two years ago that, um, you know, Brody Lee, you know, Bray, who of course was Bray's longtime partner in WWE and the Wyatt family, passed away. Um, so this is another blow for a lot of. You know, people in the wrestling community, not just his fans, but his co-workers, you know, across the business, his, you know, friends, his uh, family members. Um, so what we're going to do here tonight, we had some other stuff planned, but this is not really, this is not the time or the kind of, well, this isn't the time to do some of the, we, we had some wacky stuff planned. Um, this is not the time to do that. And we're probably not going to, we're not going to go as long probably tonight as usual. But, um, you know, Wyndham Rotunda was 36 years old as, again, unfortunately for some, a lot of us fans who've been around for a while, you know, some people, some of y'all remember Eddie Guerrero passing away way too soon. Uh, for guys like me and DJ, we remember Von Erichs, uh, you know, all carry Mike and David just all gone way too soon. Um, so these things hit, they, they, they hit pretty hard. Um, and cause as fans, we don't know the, you know, I've always, you, you all have heard me say a million times. We don't know these people. We don't know these people, but we do form some of a relationship with these folks. And as these people go through the 10 to 15 to 20 years, however long their careers go, um, you, you kind of go along with them and 
as a fan, you know, people people drop in and out of being a wrestling fan often because their favorite wrestlers all retire, move on, or whatever. So you go on a journey with these folks from when from when you first take a liking to them to the point where they're no longer actively competing or maybe they leave the company that you were watching them in or what have you. And so you form a relationship with them. You, you know, if you're there with them at the beginning or maybe they're already going and they got, you know, seeing them is what got you to pick it back up. If you had, you know, if you had fallen off as a fan, um, and we all have our, yeah. If I could just interject, I will say the the two things that I hear the most when it comes to, oh, why did you, you know, why did you stop watching? It's, you know, my thing of I aged out of it and thought I was too cool. Or my guy retired or my guy, you know, left the industry or my guy went to WCW and or whatever. Just my guy was gone. Those are the two biggest things. And, and um, yeah, it's just, and Bray engendered a lot of that that loyalty to from a lot of folks yeah and um because look i mean i've done that twice already you know uh kind of dropped off because the guys i had grown to love at that era were all retiring moving on or whatever um and bray wyatt was definitely one of those wrestlers who got people to start watching again or if you had never watched maybe you were flipping channels and you saw him and you know the Wyatt family or what have you and you were like man what the hell is this yeah um <laughs> you know and it's just um the, it's the audio portion of the podcast I'm oh. pointing at myself and you know <laughs> waving and smiling because as I've said all the time Stephen Amell and Stardust Cody Rhodes brought me to the dance Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt made sure I stayed and so um, yeah, Bray. When I when I came back in twenty, he had tail into twenty twelve into twenty thirteen, and really getting myself you know re entrenched by twenty fourteen. Bray Wyatt was definitely one of the things that kept me around. I just found the Wyatt family and his character in particular to be so compelling. And you know, I said for years, Bray Wyatt as a character was layered. Like, and I knew we hadn't even seen like the final evolution when he was still just, you know, <clears throat> the swamp guy. And, you know, I watched this guy because I wanted to see where the journey was going. And I, I'm taking this one pretty hard because I was a big Bray Wyatt fan. And I, you know, for as long as we've been doing this podcast, you know, I've defended the guy, you know, and I know a lot of people have felt a certain way about how much he could do in the ring. They had feelings about the characters as Rob alluded to, you know, in, in um, the, 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 like the pre-show huddle, you know, people felt a certain way about the way a storyline on the wrestling show was booked or the way it went or the outcome. And, you know, for me that never mattered because it was, the character was always so compelling and, and he was so creative and, and, and it was the creativity that drew me to him. Like, this guy is outside the box. Like, you know, you could argue that, yeah, the Bray Wyatt character was influenced by other characters. But I would argue that anybody he took an influence from, he stood on the shoulders of that and did it better. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, lore always pulls me in. I know some people don't like that in their wrestling and their whatnot. But listen, man, I came from, you know, I've watched WMAC Masters when I was, you know, a little kid. You know, I want the the weird lore that you have to pay attention for two years. And man, when I came back into wrestling, Roman and him were right in the middle of a blood feud that culminated in a hell in a cell. And also, by the way, referenced their previous history with the Shield and, and you know, more Wyatt lore and... You know, that's sports entertainment, man. That's and I know we always we say sports entertainment to mean WWE, but I mean the stunt show with the flamethrowers and the music and the you know, this is what we're all here for. Bray Wyatt, it was exactly love him or hate him. Bro Bray Wyatt is exactly what I look for in professional wrestling. Oh, same here. So 
And because uh, I mean, when, uh, the first I saw him was, you know, when they started doing those vignettes from when they were all about to come up to the main roster, and you know, and, and you know, I saw like the sheep masks, and and I was just like, man, what is this crazy shit, man? <laughs> um, but in a good way, right? Um, right. And it was just it was captivating, and you know, and and the rocking chair and the, the lantern, you know, and. Um, one thing that Bray did, and, and maybe some people will argue that this was a bit to the detriment, especially in the last year or so, he always left more questions than answers. Like, okay, what's the backstory here? What's next? And and he always teased that with everything that he did. It's like, okay, how deep is this character? What are his motivations? What are, you know, what, what's the end game here? And then just to take that and pay such attention to the detail of the character, very few people do that. Like some people will get out there and they're given a direction like, okay, and they go in this direction and they never, they never get outside the box. And Bray was never afraid to, to, to think outside the box and take that character. Like I think back to his, his WrestleMania match with The Undertaker. He did that thing with the zombies or the whatever that looked like scarecrows or something when he during his entrance. And he would, you know, kind of walk up to one, he would touch it, it would come to life, and then he would touch another one, it would come to life. And just all the little details that he did during that entrance, I easily in probably my top ten mania entrances. And, and I say that with no hyperbole. Listen, man, he was all I mean, I hate this trope because it's so overused for so so this guy's so creative. This person is so creative. But literally in, in terms of professional wrestling, the dude lived outside the box. And yeah. at least certainly for WWE. Um and just little th- things he would do to, he was way better wrestler than people give him credit for. Way Fact. better. Fact. Uh, like Go go back and watch him and Roman's Hell in a Cell match or any of their matches for crying out loud. And I understand Roman Roman wasn't the talent he is now. And he, but even then he could you know do some heavy lifting. But no, dude, they made magic together because they're both very very talented. Um, yeah, Bray Wyatt. Uh, I'm kind of just rambling here because this one's still kind of hitting me. Like, yeah, I feel, and, uh, I feel like I got t-boned. You know. And um, let me and I mean, another thing, uh, another thing is that he's one of those people who who legit turned his career around. Um, yeah. When he started out, he was Husky Harris, and yep. Husky Harris was about as bad as it sounds. It was terrible. It was a terrible. It was a starter gimmick, obviously, but it was terrible. But it was the type of thing you. But it, why you would put someone on the main roster with the Husky Husky Harris gimmick was. I mean, if you want to talk about things that make you... There's one reason you need another jobber. Yeah. And, and that's about what he, he and was that's part about of Nexus for a little while, wasn't he? Yeah. And then... And, but, and then... I think I was part of Nexus, and I wasn't even watching wrestling. You know, right. But, um, it's... Yeah, it's it's one of those things where... Um... You know, he got stuck with that, and that was a that, again, it was a horrible gimmick, and it, of course, it did not get anywhere. And it's the type of the gimmick now. I mean, if he if he had gotten stuck with that gimmick, in you know, any time in the last two or three years, he probably would have just gotten released. Absolutely, yeah. it's, absolutely. It's, it's the type of gimmick that they give you when they don't care, right? And just waiting you out. Yeah, and um, so he, you know, he went back to NXT, and he changed, you know, and I guess whatever kind of way he, whether he convinced somebody or somebody knew that he that he that he had this in him and told him, hey, well, you go ahead and do your thing. Either way, one way or the other, um, he, you know, he he changed everything up, and he completely turned his career around, and so. And in 2000, February of 2017, Husky Harris became the WWE World Champion. Okay. Yeah. Check, right. check your bingo card in 2013 and see if you had that on there. I can assure you, you yeah. did not. Yeah. When you, let's, let's be clear. The belt, the WWE Championship, 
Right. He, he held the Universal Champion t- Championship too, but the one also yeah. he, wasn't he? Wow, wasn't he the last Universal Champion? Um, before Roman, uh, yeah. yes, yes, yeah, Roman pinned him. Yes, no, yeah. Roman, no, Roman pinned. Uh, um, oh, Roman pinned Braun, but he pinned Braun, but Bray was the champion. That's that's why I always lose the. Oh wait, was Braun the champion? No, Braun was challenging no, for it because Bray won it from Goldberg, right? Uh, right. No, Bray, Bray won it from Braun, and then Braun. That's Braun right. Won, that's right. Braun okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Braun won it from Goldberg, who won it from Bray. But, that's um, right. Goldberg beat Bray. Yeah, and, and um, with a horrible jackhammer. God, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think Ray might have sandbagged him a little bit. I think he did. But, uh, hey, you know what? God bless his soul, and might have been the right decision because I still don't know about that one. That little that little side road for the title wasn't my favorite thing because obviously we know what happened because then uh, it was supposed to lead to the, one of the greatest matches of all time, and because they took it off of somebody they shouldn't have, the match was cursed. And then COVID happened, and Roman had to go away, and Goldberg. Yeah, it was bad, man. Um, it was. I guess oh. well, for me, I, I, see, I was always of the mind that well, at least once he became the fiend, that, that they should have never, you know, put any type of title on him because that's to me that wasn't that was not a character that you is yeah. pursuing, you know, and championships. Then- and then the Jason Voorhees thing. Everything would have been fine without the Jason Voorhees stuff. It would have been absolutely fine. Make him a dominant champion. Let him do the funhouse shit. Let him. I loved every single thing about the Fiend. The whole thing. You can't make him the Terminator. I'm sorry. You just can't. It it ruins the whole thing. Yeah, it, I feel like I, I'm not even gonna blame that on him. I feel like that was no. that was lazy crutch that oh, Vince or somebody. Came here's up with. the thing, though. The feed got so hot so fast because it really was, excuse me, it really was awesome. I love the presentation. I love the vignettes. I love the Firefly Funhouse. I loved all of it. And it it became this force of nature that just, one, it got over because it was just fucking cool. And it just, at some point, you got to look at this and go, okay, so I can see why Vince would want to put some type of major title on that, but the character in and of itself writes itself into a corner because it's, how do you beat that? And then you get yourself in a situation like the Hell in the Cell match with him and Seth Rollins, and and I, I will die on the hill that up until the finish, that match was awesome. It was. Seth and Bray were cooking in that match, and then the finish got overbooked all the shit because somebody in the back went, wait a minute. How does Seth Seth beat the Fiend? Right. How do we get to the in a Hell in a Cell match? Like Hell in a Cell match is a definitive. It's designed to have a definitive winner and loser. And Seth was red hot at the time. The Fiend was white hot at the time. Who's winning this? And if how do we get to that point? They booked themselves into a corner with it. Personally, I think the match never should have happened. Um, yeah. Just because it didn't do either guy any favors. But the point is, along the way, none of and you can probably go, you can go back and check the tape. None of this is on Wyndham's, the actual dude's performance. Nope, no, not a it, bit. It's, no, it's, it's beats in the story that were awful. That maybe he suggested, maybe he didn't. I would lean towards he didn't. And and beats in the story that were awful and direction. That was clearly given from the top. It wasn't just like, hey, you're a shitty actor. It's like, well, no, I can't act. I can't do the Terminator thing and make it look good in professional wrestling, guys. I just can't. Unless I'm Kane. And even then, I don't even think Kane went through some of the ridiculous stuff that uh, that uh, the Fiend went through. Like being Part of that was because... Aside from one instance, they kept Kane as far away from the World Heavyweight Championship, at least in terms of winning it. Like yeah, he I competed mean, for it a lot, but yeah. Kane Kane was not well, that. And the thing, if you if you give one of those like you know Goro level guys the belt, well, guess what? 
You can't mamby pamby around with it because that guy's got to keep it for a while. So you have to know when, when you when you give him the belt, you can't just be like, all right, now who first up? Uh, let's see. Let's look at the roster. Let's look at Twitter. Let's. Oh, Seth Rollins is trending. Let's put Seth Rollins on him. No, 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 no. You already fucked it up, guys. Yeah. Yeah, and um, because. And also, it didn't help that like the year before they had a Hell in a Cell match where Brock Lesnar, you know, kicked in the door and beat up both guys, and there right. wasn't there was no ending. So, right. and so you're doing that a year. So that's just that's too, you know, to quote a certain wrestling ma- retired wrestling manager. That's that's too rotten finishes. <laughs> in a row. Um, and look at that wasn't his fault. I mean, and. He, I'm, I do not think he's the one that told Seth Rollins to scream like a little bitch, which was, I mean, um, and that which you know that didn't help Seth at all because no, I mean you can't you know it's um, and so look we saw with the way well L A Knight handled it perfectly you just have to no sell that shit. Yep. Yeah. You just have, yeah. You got to you got to no sell it and just do whatever whatever your normal routine is. You just gotta. You got to no sell all that shit and do whatever and just stick to your routine and just keep pushing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people feel like Bray was failed, you know, by creative. Um, now, look, we we weren't backstage, so we, we, we were not in those meetings. We don't know, you know, who said what, who, you know, we don't, or who proposed what. And, you know, and all of that, we don't. I mean, we know that the finish from the Hell in the Cell, that was Vince. We know that. But I would say that he was at least lightly kneecapped a couple of times. Yeah, and I, well, but again, I think that the Fiend character, just to me, it should not, you just, you, you, you know, why is this guy, because I've said this before, you know, why is, why is that guy, you know, trying to win a wrestling championship? And, they never, you know, that was just a connection they never made. Um, At least like, like the Undertaker, they explained it. The corporate right. managers, the whatever, the whatever, we're going to take over the world. And obviously to take over the world, I have to become WWF champion. And we all looked around and went, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do it. But yeah. at least he gave you a reason. I mean, the, the only reason I can see with The Fiend is that he was an agent of chaos. And as an yeah. agent of chaos, you would want all all the things and, and you know the world champion being one of the things i guess well, nothing look at that joker or psycho or whatever character you know what the funniest outcome is for all these very serious professional wrestlers me being the world heavyweight champion that's the most chaotic thing so i'm going to do that yeah i guess but they they never they never took us there though right, right exactly they never they, did. they never explained the motivation and so you know what and look saw, how he just did it. Well, from from what we saw of from Bray Wyatt on television was that he was there. Well, the, the Fiend was there to, to torment his coworkers for previous things they'd done to him. Right. Yeah. Which is why he feuded with Seth Rollins. Why he feuded with Daniel Bryan. Why he feuded. Why he went after John Cena. Right. And so to that end, you know. I mean that made sense, but just there was never any. They never really communicated why that guy wanted to play a sport for a living, or you know, like it's understandable why he wanted to get back at all of these people. Yeah, but they never connected that to why he would want to win the wrestling championship. Like, like you could you could very easily connect that to him wanting to prevent one of them from winning it or to cause one of them to lose it. Yeah. But, you know, uh, just the, connecting that character to walking around being the wrestling champion and going on Good Morning America or going on a Today Show with, with the wrestling championship and, you know, you know, and what have you, that those, you know, that connection was never made. Um, but yeah, you know, um, at the same, you know, I can feel kind of weird. You know, this, you know, we're talking about you know creative and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, um, but it's it's, you know, um, all that being said, 
you know, uh, we as fans, or at least in the IWC, we piled on this man because a lot of us piled on him because of the way that his stories were written. And we piled on him for things that the, you know, the other writers or the Vince McMahon or whatever failed to communicate to us to make it all make sense. Um, and we, and we blamed quite often a lot of us in the IWC blamed him for that. Um, and yeah. that was unfair and it's just wrong. Um, and too many times, you know, we pay lip service to, you know, well, who booked this shit, but mm. we pile, we pile, but when it comes time to pile on, who do we pile on? We pile on the wrestlers. Yeah. We pile on the wrestlers because we'll, you know, for because of the way the storyline went. We pile on the wrestlers because if some snafu happened during a match, if we we or if you know if we pile on the wrestlers because of who got booked to win or lose, um, you know, all these things. And you know, at the end of the day, these are people that are on TV. They're they're acting out or yeah. trying to tell us stories. Um, they're doing a job they're paid to do. Yeah, and, and I think people forget that. And because I go and look, if 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 one of the, if if one of these online trolls were to come up to me and and get on me about the way I do my job, or any you know, my first inclination would be telling them to go fuck themselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, and but these folks are in a position where well they can't do that because if they if they tell you to go fuck yourself, then you're going to screenshot it and and say look at what this see look at what they said to me. They're a terrible person, and you know um. So they're in a position where they were, you know, they can very seldom, you know, shoot back at you, no matter what you say to them. Yeah. Um, and, it's, you know, I don't care how much money they're getting paid. They shouldn't have to deal with that. Right? No. And unfortunately, like you said, they're in a situation where they're almost forced to. And, you know, when you when you take what you do creatively, personally. And then people are out there, and then you've poured yourself into this. And, you know, to say Bray poured himself into everything that he did is a huge understatement. You know, the, the guy literally gave 110% to everything, even if what was presented wasn't, the end of it wasn't great. He still poured everything into it. And then you get online, and you're taking out your dissatisfaction with something that, he was involved in on him and it's I, I i get every reason why people would take it personally it's it's awful that people do that i unfortunately don't expect it to change but we, we really you know need to think about that you know yeah he's the guy performing what was given to him but at the end of the day, he's not the guy that says, look, this is what I'm going to do. Like this, this guy may have input, but Bray's not going to go to Vince McMahon and say, look, I know you booked me to do ABC, but I'm doing X, Y, Z tonight. Deal with it. It just didn't happen that way. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Well, and also to loop it back around, I mean, yeah, there were parts of the Fiend experience that were, you know, not great. But honestly... I said at the beginning, I'll say it again. It really was just boiled down to the Terminator thing because everything else about that experience was awesome. 
Tell me with a straight face you didn't enjoy the Firefly Funhouse, then I'll tell you that you don't enjoy professional wrestling the way I do, and you probably shouldn't watch WWE. And I'm being dead serious, and I'm not trying to be mean or anything like that. There's plenty of other programs that offer the entertainment you're looking for. But Bray Wyatt was sports entertainment, and that was never more at the front than when he was wrestling in a goddamn Mr. Rogers sweatshirt with, with like, puppets popping up in the corner, and I'm popping the whole time. Well, part of the thing is The Fiend really was custom-made for the pandemic era because they had the cinematic matches. This allowed him to really, really immerse himself in this, and we got... I'm sorry. I again, I will die on the hill defending the John Cena Firefly Funhouse match. Oh, absolutely. The, yes. Uh, yeah. The the what was the not the was it what the hell was the match he did with Randy Orton? Oh, that, that Inferno match. That the was Inferno excellent. that was excellent. Absolutely phenomenally done. The the Inferno match was, and I dug the Swamp match with Bray Wyatt. I enjoyed for what it was. I enjoyed the hell out of that. And, you know, I, I was, you know, while I'm glad that eventually the world turned the corner and nature healed and WWE was able to get back out on the road and do what WWE does best, entertain in front of live crowds, I missed having those little cinematic matches that he was involved in because it was very compelling. They, they they took a bad situation and tried to make something out of it. And, and he was absolutely influential in that. And because um, yeah. I mean that that Inferno match that was that was one of the best endings of a pay per view ever. Yes, ever, awesome. ever. I'm with. I mean, because you know, because and Randy Orton being the one guy who just doesn't give a fuck to the point where he'll just where he'll he'll light your ass on fire. He doesn't mm-hmm. care. So him and him being the you know so he was a perfect opponent because again he he's the one guy that just doesn't give a fuck enough where he'll 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 go ahead and light your ass on fire he doesn't care and, absolutely two guys who understand or understood their characters yes better than anybody else and yep. that whole ending where you know where Bray is on fire and Randy's walking away and then he hits the Randy Orton pose as the credits. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, that was so good. Yeah, I mean, like you can't. I'm, I'm sorry. There's, there's no better way to end. I'll take that ending. I'll put that ending up against any pay per view ending shot ever. I mean, okay. What about the great Kali WWE champion? Well, that oh yeah, okay. So that look, those two are. In, if, if that's could, a great moment for different reasons. Yeah, that, 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 that's funny. That, that was a funny moment. Don't yeah. look it up. That great Kali was WWE champion. And that, that was one of the funniest endings. I mean, that, that might be the funniest ending ever. I mean, litany of reasons. Yeah, we're both shit kayfabe reasons. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, so, Bray Wyatt, like, I can't say enough the fact that, like, there was a very special formula that made me stay, they made my stupid ADHD brain stick with wrestling for a couple of months enough to stick with it as a, you know, real hobby. And Bray Wyatt and um, Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family and Roman and Dean sports entertaining their asses off. With you know weird spooky swamp promos and then beating the shit out of each other, like that is a formative reason of why I'm still here doing this you know silly little podcast. Yeah, and actually, so, I have right, a uh, I have right. a tribute here from from a, from somebody you may not expect. Oh gosh, I'm well, I'm going to read it and I'll tell you who it is. Okay, it says, I remember a time making a mistake early on in my run with WWE. Bray was one of the few to get on me about it and say something to me in person. But not only did he get on me, he chose to be a leader and guide me. His words were impactful and made me question a lot and put things in perspective. That being because he was and still is someone I look up to. Bray was a hero to me and many others. Risk taker, an innovator, a father, creative, a dream chaser, and everything else that many thought he couldn't be. 
His career, legacy, personality, mind, and overall aura will always leave a positive mark on myself as a performer and as a man throughout my life and career. He will surely be missed. Rest in peace, my wrestling brother, forever. Thank you. That comes from one. Uh, that comes from Leo Rush. Oh wow, that's crazy. That's really good. I uh, yeah. The the outpouring that I'm seeing on on it's yeah. Twitter. I don't care. It's Twitter, uh, Instagram. I just I had to put my phone down, man. In the in the yeah. minutes following, well, you guys were in group chat with me. I EJ texted us, and you know he you that's how I found out. Um, and then just all of a sudden I'm on Twitter and, you know, Triple H is out there. I'm like, what? Like, there was just this moment of disbelief. Like, this one kicked me in the guts. Um, like, hard. You know, we've, we've lost a lot of people over the last few years. You know, Brody Lee, yeah, just to name the one that comes right off the top of my head. Uh, but this one, this one really kicked me in the guts, being, being a, a Bray Wyatt fan. And I wasn't sure how I was going to be able to put anything into words tonight. Uh, just like Rob said at the top of the show, we had a much different show planned tonight. We didn't think it was appropriate to go through with that. And I honestly mentally don't think that I could have had fun with what we had planned. No. On the, on the heels of what we found out, not an hour, hour and a half ago, it just didn't seem appropriate. And even now I, this one's going to take, this was going to take time to process, man, because I, I really I liked Bray Wyatt. I'm a big fan. I was looking forward to him eventually coming back and giving us more of the stuff that I love. He was younger yeah. than me, man. He was younger than me. Yeah. That's 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 tragic, man. It's awful to think about. It yeah. is. And um, if you've. I mean, uh, I saw the Wyatt family entrance in person a few times and it was something else. Yeah, I've, I'm well. Were you lucky enough to be a part of it, Rob? Because I hope you brought your you got your cell phone out. Oh, here. of course you had. I mean, yes, <laughs> yes. no, no, no. Correctly, Rob, you were a firefly, and I was too. And it was seriously, it is fucking cool seeing that in real life. Like the yes. music, the entrance, him with the lantern, and just like. It's, it, I talk about it all the time on this show, but like there are certain things and certain people that are different live, and that was one of them. That was a surreal experience, so I'm very lucky to have experienced it. Yeah, I, I didn't get the pleasure of seeing that live, but it was always, it was always breathtaking to see you on live TV. To see it come out like that. Yeah. Um, but so the, the industry lost... The giant, honestly. And the thing is, like I said, he's younger than me. He was 36, man. Like, that guy had a – I'm just crushed because yeah. the industry was going to benefit from that guy, and we were going to be entertained by that guy and that guy's ideas for a long time. Well, we easily had another decade. Easily. Easily had another decade, but that's a guy who could – He's just one of those guys who probably sticks around until literally he dies of natural causes. Or, or yeah. what, you know, dies in his 80s. It's crazy. It's just, he's, you know, with the, both the lineage and his, you know, obviously love of pro wrestling and the creativity and everything. Um, I want yeah, this is just awful, man. Yeah. I, I from, you know, the, the depths of everything, I, my, my thoughts, my heart, heart goes out to his family, his friends, people that actually knew him. You know, we sit here and pontificate as fans and, you know, we have our thoughts and our feelings as fans, but I don't ever want the family to not know that they're, you know, that they're thought about, you know, in, in this moment and in, and in these times, um, we're, we're going to miss Bray Wyatt. And I, and I thank him for the memories, for the entertainment for the things that he brought to me, he brought joy into my life personally as a fan. And, and I'll always be thankful for that. And I'll be sorry that I won't get any more of that. You know what? He's on a really, really, really short list. He walked into WrestleMania as the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. I mean, uh, we are talking about a lot of what ifs and what could have been's and whatnot. 
but goddamn, he deserved that certainly, and I'm glad he got it. So yeah, um, but yeah, the uh, same. Obviously, I echo everything you just said, DJ. You know, JoJo, his family, his you know everyone. You know, I can't imagine what people like Bo are going through, and certainly guys like forgive me, I don't know his actual name, but like Eric Redbeard. Um, I just can't imagine, and uh, my thoughts and everything are with them. Um, so we have um, we got we, we got sorry we got, we got some information here. What's up? Oh no! Well, this is um. So this is from Sean Ross Sapp. He said he I uh, said he was given permission to reveal that uh, earlier this year, when the Rotunda got COVID, that exacerbated heart issues. Oh Jesus! And um, said there was a lot of positive progress towards the return in his recovery. Unfortunately, today he suffered a heart attack. God bless, man. That's just. That's that's good. That's good on the family, though, and that's good on Sean because put yeah, speculation we, to bed. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. And look, we we beat up Sean plenty of times here, but no, but um, this, yeah, this he's using his powers for good for once. Good job, Sean. Try that more often. And yeah. and you know, thankfully, and yes, and thankfully that you know, and to get it out before and just end speculation, Rob. Yeah, yeah. Remember, I mean, with uh, with Brody, um, we had that awful piece by was it Bruce yeah, Mitchell? He used to work for Wade Keller, and it was just downright disgusting. Um, and so, yeah, you know, thank goodness that um, that Nip that. that's out there, and we don't, you know, that we don't have people gossiping or writing yeah, stupid stories or you know, yeah, think pieces because it's. You know, it, it, like I said, we, we were never going to speculate on this episode tonight, but, you know, Bray had his, his battles with mental health. And, right. you know, the only thing that I said was I, I hope not that I ever want anybody to have some type of thing, but I just didn't want it just, to be that. And people were already speculating online. Yeah, It's easy yeah. to speculate based on what we know of the guy. So obviously right. your brain starts to go to a down a certain road and then hopefully your brain says, dude, we don't want to go down that road. Um, so, but yeah, it is unfortunately. Wow. Yeah. It's just awful. Rob, do you want to close out this segment? Uh, yeah. Cause I think we've reached a point where, um, it's not the show, I think, I don't think we're going well, we, we, we'll, to recap Rob this week. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, I think we're, we've kind of reached a point where we're going to start. Where we'll probably start repeating ourselves in regards to Bray. Yeah. So um, we're going to move on because uh, unfortunately we lost another another member of the wrestling family earlier this week. Uh, uh, that is Terry Funk, and um, I can tell you, for me, the very first house show that my dad took me to, the main event was Hulk Hogan defending the WWF Championship against Terry Funk. Uh, and yeah, and I didn't at that point. I was I was twelve years old, so I did not fully appreciate what just what all Terry Funk brought to the table as a wrestling performer. To me, he was just a cowboy with a branding iron. You know, hey, sometimes uh, it's all you need. Yeah, I just but there, there was so much more to him than that. Oh yeah, incredible performer. Yeah, and um, so I think he and his brother were the first two brothers to be to hold the NWA World Title. Um, and they were also second generation wrestlers. Their father, Dory Funk Senior. Um, oh. and but now one thing I always thought was cool where they announced that he's from the Double Cross Ranch in Amarillo, Texas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Double, just the the double cross ranch just sounds like one of the, just the coolest sounding things, you know. <laughs> you just know evil stuff goes down at the double cross ranch. Yes, at the double <laughs> cross ranch. Um, and, um, oh man, and so that was 1986, and then the, and then you know, three years later. This man yeah. turns up on an NWA pay-per-view. Nobody was expecting this. And he attacks Ric Flair, of all people, and power drives him on a table. And and Ric Flair, of all people, turns babyface behind that. And and at the time, you know, it was, you know, 
And I was like, Terry Funk? They're like, you know, I was like, they're going to do a whole thing with Terry Funk? You know, because I hadn't seen Terry Funk as NWA world champion. I didn't know how great of a wrestler he was, really. Because the matches he had with Hogan were, they were standard Hogan stuff. Yeah. I mean, they were good matches, but they weren't, you know, they weren't what he was fully capable of doing in a ring. So for me, when I was like, Terry Funk? They're going to have Terry Funk challenge Ric Flair? Really? And that, my friends, was, that may have been the feud of the year in all of professional wrestling in 1989. That's one of the best wrestling feuds. It was incredible. I, Terry Funk had Ric Flair in a blender, and you know you've got good heel heat when you've got guys like me and Rob who hated Ric Flair cheering for Ric Flair. Like, yeah. Ric Flair was our heel, man. Like, that dude was so dastardly with everything he did with the Four Horsemen. Yeah, here comes Terry Funk, and he's even more dastardly than Ric Flair ever was to the point that we're rooting for Flair. And because when, when, when Ric Flair came out at the Great American Bash, when he came back, that was his big comeback to, you know, to take on Terry Funk. And that building exploded for Ric Flair. Yes. Okay. That's how that's how great of a job Terry Funk did as a heel. That I mean, Ric Flair always had fans, but. I mean, to get the whole building behind Ric Flair as a baby face. <laughs> right. And again, and that, people that played was or didn't know any better, but they played along or didn't know any better. Yeah, and um, and at the end of that show, and then you know Sting and Ric Flair joined forces at the end of that show. Yes. Okay. Oh, shit, Mario and Bowser joined forces. Yes, and then, and then, and then you had this uh, you had this totally unlikely pairing of Terry Funk and the Great Muda. <laughs> okay, taking okay. Ric Flair and Sting. Led to one and, of the greatest matches of our, of that day and age. Yes. I, was say, I actually have seen that match. The Thunderdome match? Yeah. And so that was one. And then the, the whole, and then the feud culminated in an I Quit match on one of the Clash of the Champions shows. And, and that was, I mean, that was, again, that was one of the best matches you will ever see. And Wait, the Thunderdome match, was that the big convoluted thing we watched? That was, was the, yeah, it was the electrified steel cage. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that was a, yeah. <laughs> awesome. We did a we did a watch along on that. If you want to go back on the uh, thechairshot.com and look for that. We watched a lot. We watched what about a year ago? I think so, yeah. Take, yeah, we did a watch along on that one. And um so that was yeah, that was one of the just greatest feuds ever. Yeah. And, I mean, and that was Terry Funk. That was Terry Funk at like forty something years old, by the way. Yeah. And then, but then that wasn't the end. Then he goes. Then a few years later, he goes to ECW of all places. Yeah. He reinvented himself in ECW. Yeah. Between that and the stuff he was doing in Japan with Mick Foley. Yeah. Absolutely insane. The stuff they were doing. I. I my my love my love affair with Terry Funk stems from in a way back in the day he reminded me a lot of my dad, the way he looked, the way he talked. I just it, it was very much and, and even as he got a little bit older, my friends would my friends would come to the house and they meet my dad. They're like, your dad looks like Terry Funk. They even <laughs> joke about it now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know, dad looks like Terry Funk. So you know, I just I gravitated to him for that reason too. Um, but I, I've never been a big fan of like deathmatch stuff, but for whatever reason, the stuff he and Foley were doing was mesmerizing. Like just because I'd never seen anything like it at the time. I watched wrestling. You know, we occasionally got barbed wire ropes with blood and, you know, it, occasionally somebody got busted open. But with this, these guys were just just destroying each other and you know 20 some odd year old me is like whoa this is the most incredible thing it's the most incredibly ridiculous thing i've ever seen in my life i can't stop watching right. and you know that then and the, the feud that they had was legendary and then it spilled over into ecw and escalated there and then eventually found its way to wwe and um 
so then there was the ECW stuff. Then when he came back to WWE and was teaming with uh, and with Foley there, as I got a story about that. But go ahead. Oh man, it's just again, you know, look, a lot of times, you know, when people talk about reinventing themselves, it's you know, it's well, they change their hair color, or they shave their beard, or they, you know, they they start wearing different ring clothes or something, right? No, th- this guy really did reinvent himself. Mm. I mean, this guy started out as you know great wrestler guy and was the nwa world champion and he went through all these different iterations of and so you know there are people who are calling him the best ever to do it um i think he has as much of a claim to that as anybody um yeah i guess you know whether you would pick him or not as yours uh yeah i would say he, he has as much of a claim to that as anybody um, he worked every style. He worked the technical style. He went to Japan and did this, you know, the stiff, strong style type of stuff. He did the deathmatch stuff. Um, you know, he did psychological things and um, he fought everyone from Ric Flair to Hulk Hogan to Stan Hansen uh, to, you know, Dusty Rhodes um, and, you know, and all types of other people in between. Um so he has he has as much a claim to that mantle as anyone, um, whether he's your personal choice or not. Rob, in that regard, it was very interesting when the news did break. Um, how many, obviously, obviously, lots of wrestlers expressed their condolences, but it was amazing how many wrestlers and how many different types of wrestlers specifically cited him as an inspiration. Yeah. Bret Hart did. Bret Hart did. I followed Bret on Instagram. He had a very touching uh, tribute to to Terry Funk. Yeah, Kevin Owens too. And uh, like this one, like and Terry Funk was one of those people. If you, when you hear you hear somebody described as tough, you know, Terry Funk was the embodiment of that. And I mean, he was just. I mean, and look, he gave it. He gave he gave it as good as he took it. You know. Um, and he's just a phenomenal performer in every type of way. And, you know, and often, you know, he kind of played like a kind of a, like, a, I'm, you know, you know, I'm crazy kind of thing. And you believed it. Middle-aged you know? and crazy. Yeah. And look, he, he was, he was middle-aged and crazy for about 40 years. Yeah. Just like you, just like you do. He's not playing. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> it's not an act. No, <laughs> um, but you know, um, he is somebody, man. He just, you know, uh, for all of those decades that he performed, you know, he was like he was a phenomenal performer, um, and it was it was a joy to see him. You know, uh, for me, it was that NWA run with Ric Flair. That's 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 the stuff that really got me that he did. And looking back, it was a joy to see him, you know, get that run. And to get it, he was already 40-something years old. He had already, again, he had been NWA champion decades before. Um, To come back 20 years, or almost 20 years later, maybe 10, 15 years later, later, after, you know, having a long run as NWA world champion, and then, you know, remember when Bob Backlund came back in the WWE, he wasn't, you know, he didn't. He didn't get that type of treatment. No. Um, uh, Terry Funk was main event right out of the box. Yeah. And um, but it's um, so he's another guy. You know, um, we got our condolences to his family, and you know, again, thanks, thanks for everything, because um, he was one of the many people in that business who brought joy to us as fans and to his co-workers on um, i mean and i have to thank you even though i didn't particularly watch that much of terry funk's career uh because apparently half of the people that i watch today cite him as an inspiration so you know the he definitely left a footprint on the wrestling on wrestling at large we're going to, next week, I think, depending on how things go, next week, we were going to do a couple of watch-alongs this week. And I suggested in the creative, um, 
doing a Terry Funk watch along and Rob threw out one of the Ric Flair matches. And I think the, the I quit match might be a good one. I'd like to do a watch along with that maybe next week if we can swing it in so Jason can get a feel for, you know, Terry Funk at what Rob and I consider to be probably his peak sports entertainment period. Yeah. Um, well. <clears throat> um, where his feud with Ric Flair, legendary. One little side thing for me with Terry Funk, he, when I was in the business between – 90 late 97 and early 2000s for about two and a half years um terry funk was a guy i absolutely wanted to meet like he was on my bucket list of guys that i wanted to meet and and i came super close uh cliff the guy who trained me and also booked a lot of the shows that i was on had terry funk booked for a show in orlando he's like yeah i got terry coming in he's gonna do a couple things and i begged and begged and pleaded with cliff to let me take a pile driver I was like, Cliff, I don't care how you work it into the show. I don't care what, I'll come out, I'll chew him out on the mic, he can grab me and th- whatever it takes, man, whatever it takes. And he never really promised me either way, because who am I? I've been in a business, you know, a year and a half that Terry Funk ain't working with me. You know, I just wanted to put over Terry Funk on a show. Um, the week before the show, he bailed out because he got the call from WWE to go do the Chainsaw Charlie thing. And that was one of the most disappointing things in my entire wrestling, little wrestling bubble that I did, the little career that I had, was that Terry Funk, I missed out on meeting Terry Funk so he could run around on TV with pantyhose over his head and swinging a chainsaw. (laughs) You missed out on a possible pile driver by Terry Funk. Oh, my God. I could If I had gotten pile driven by Terry Funk, I could have walked away from the business 100% 100% satisfied. Honest to God, I could have. That was, honest to God, that was my dream. Because I remember my buddy, he's, <laughs> I look at that side of my side of my eye, I look at him, he's just staring at me, grinning, because he knew I was popping for it. He knew what I wanted. And I'm like, just, Cliff, I don't care what it takes. I want him to pile drive me. And Cliff's like, yeah, whatever, kid. So. <laughs> That's awesome. But, yeah, again, Terry Funk, it's so awesome, so good. And again, thank you to him. Condolences to his family um, and just thoughts and prayers again to him and his family. And thanks for the memories that, that I'll always cherish. Well, yeah, thanks. Thankfully, his influence will be felt for years and years to come. Well, and he's a guy you should study. Like we, we, we often talk on this show about old school wrestlers who should be studied. Terry Funk is absolutely in that class of people the way terry sold like terry would sell an ass beating yes better than just about anybody of that era and yeah. I mean, you look at the way rick flair is just working him over and terry's just he's ta- he gave but terry would take it as well as he gave it yeah wow. um, guys i i think we can call the go home here i i don't have much else to add um i i want to thank everybody for listening to us this week sorry the episode ended up being what it was but i was glad that i was able to sit here with you three and and process this because i wasn't we we kicked around the idea of not even doing this tonight um just because the the obviously the mood of terry funk we wanted to talk about but then just the double whammy with bray wyatt um I think it was like a you know two hours ago. <laughs> yeah, it was literally just fresh as as we were getting ready to record. We were getting ready to go live. We go live between seven and seven thirty, and I think the news dropped at least for us what six thirty, six forty five, right? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, so we had a whole show planned for this, and we were just like, ah, okay, throw that one next week. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll life to talk about. Because when I first saw the tweet from Triple H, it was like a screenshot. So at first I'm thinking, because you know they have those like fake Adam Schefter accounts and all of that. Yes. So, uh, so my first inclination was to make sure, is that really Triple H? Yeah, go to Triple H's Twitter. And then I went to Triple H's Twitter and it was still there. And I was like, oh, okay. That's a. Yeah. So, yeah. so we're going to call it there. Uh, I want to thank Rob J. Thank you for letting me process this in a way that I think has been productive. I wasn't sure, you know, how I was going to go about any of this. And I want to thank you both. And Jay, Jason, I, I know you were really unsure as to whether or not you could even do this tonight. Thank you for, for coming yes. on. No, it was, it was good. Cause honestly, I'm not, I mean, I'm, pro, I'm processing it, but it's still been like a gut punch because just all the things 
if, again, as I always talk about on this show, it's a cocktail of things. It's like, well, he's, you know, just a year younger than me. He's, uh, you know, and he's, again, formative and important to my wrestling journey. And I love him as a professional wrestler. And it just, and like I said, I wanted to see this dude well into his 70s being a professional wrestler and around professional wrestling, producing professional wrestling. And yeah, this was this was a gut punch, man. Yeah. Um, in closing, I, guys, hug your loved ones. Yes. Hug them. Tell them you love them. Make the phone call. Whatever it takes. Always let people know that they're loved, they're appreciated, and you care about them. It's all over in a second. Don't don't leave anything to chance. Don't leave anything behind. Don't, don't wait till tomorrow. Yeah. Don't leave anything unsaid. Just, yep. All right. And on that note, I want to thank everyone for listening. Be good to each other. This has been the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Thank you again. Have a good night.